Very good morning to you. It's Money Talk at 17 minutes past eight. This is James Ross and very pleased to be joined on the programme by our guests. As usual, on a Thursday, uh, Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals at uh, uh, our studio in Admiralty. Good morning, Enzio. How good are morning, you? Good morning, James. Um, and also let's say hi to uh, Hao Zhu, uh, Chief Economist at GTJAI. Uh, good morning, Hao. Are you with us? Ah, oh, he's there. Hi, Hao. Good morning. No, perhaps not. Anyway, let's stick with uh, Enzio for a second. Yes, uh, en- I'm here. Enzio, a lot of talk about um, lot of, lot of talk about Japan this morning in the uh, yes. uh, in the news. Um, the GDP looking uh, positive there. Uh, what are your feelings about Japan at the moment, and, and and how does it affect that whole relationship across Asia, particularly, of course, uh, with regard to China? Well, I think the beach whale is beginning to move off the beach after 30 years. Of fancy might be out here also no no correlation there, um, and I think that it it does prove a very real alternative to a um, to a China which is curiously becoming more like Japan. Um, what I mean by that is that China, if it continues emphasizing this Marxist ideology drive that it currently has, that will be at the cost of common prosperity. Common prosperity really can only be created in my mind by the private sector, which the government has been squelching quite a bit. So, funnily enough, Japan is rising and then China is becoming more Japanese. How are we surprised that Japan is rising at this point? Are you optimistic in that uh, in that area? Well, to be honest, in, uh, since last year, have been uh, become more and more bullish on Japanese uh, economy. Economy, you know, basically, uh, we can see that uh, you know, uh, overall speaking, Japan has been uh, picking up, uh, catching up uh, in the like you know uh, semiconductor sector, and of course, you know, one important stuff here is that. You know, when we talk about Japan, uh, the always issue is that the population is shrinking. But you know, Japan, if the AI technology can be really launched, I think it will help quite a lot uh, in Japanese economy because you know it will definitely address a lot of uh, you know work uh, labor force issue because everyone, every country, a lot of countries in the world are concerned about you know AI will take over jobs from uh, the all the people, but. I think for Japan, there's no concern about that because anyhow, the working force is for, is shrinking in this economy. So I'm not so surprised to see uh, uh, people have became, become more and more bullish on Japan. Uh, of course, in the meantime, uh, from geopolitical perspective, perspective uh, Japan is also kind of uh, getting more and more kind of support uh, from the uh, U.S. as well. Mm. NGO, is that something that uh, you think is uh, is important here? Um, we, we seem to have a sort of trio here: China, Japan, and the U.S. All interacting with each other um, in uh, in differing ways, changing ways, I guess. Well, I think the big news on the U.S. really has to be this fact that the the Treasury now wants to borrow one trillion dollars. That's the highest ever from the markets. That's going to push yields up on the short term, which currently are about. 5.6 on six-month money, but also on bond deals because the Treasury itself is, of course, also has been selling bonds into the markets, has been giving bonds, getting cash back. It is giving Treasury bills, getting money out of the system. So there's going to be a worse economic time in America. The excess demand for money is what we call it. And that's going to, I think, have its effect on the stock market. It has got to. 
there seems to be a very different approach to um, economics in, in the US and, and Japan as, uh, as compared to each other. I mean, obviously, interest rates uh, in Japan are still um, very, very low and uh, the opposite in the US. You know, how can the two work together, uh, how would you say? Well, I think you know. Uh, generally speaking, you know, um, we can have to we have to say that the yields uh, will pick up, uh, continue to pick up in the U.S., in Europe, and also in Japan. But uh, given that you know Japan is gradually you know uh, pull back uh, from you know pull back the so-called you know QQE or kind of your uh, uh, control you know this kind of strategy. Basically, the yield rise in Japan will relatively slow compared to other economies. And I think you know uh, the Bank of Japan also become more and more become very patient uh, in this kind of you know normalization process. So uh, if you look at interest rates in Japan, I you know the borrowing rate is about one percent for at this moment. I still I think you know still be very favorable for overall economic conditions in Japan, and inflation in Tokyo is about three percent. I think in the U.S. is about four or five percent. Europe much higher. So I think you know comparably speaking. Uh, generally speaking, Japan is still on a relatively favorable position to finance its overall kind of economy and also the infrastructure investment and also, you know, the uh, the semiconductor in- sector in the future. It seems obviously important that this focus on uh, on chips and uh, AI, as distinct from you know some of Japan's uh, biggest exports in the past, which have been traditional electronics and uh, uh, to some extent uh, the automotive uh, sector as well. It seems to have lost out in a large part uh, to those two, uh, Korea and China particularly and you know is there is there a sort of pushback that japan is now going well you know we, we're not interacting well with japan with china rather we're not interacting as well as we could with uh, korea i'm talking about on an economic scale and that's why it's pushing back towards the u.s well I have, if you look at you know uh, the the relationship between japan and south korea i think you know kind of uh, we can see some kind of improvement uh, in terms like economic ban on lot, a lot of kind of uh, materials uh, for the semiconductor uh, kind of uh, production. I think, you know, overall speaking, we can also see that Japanese government also released a very ambitious kind of uh, uh, chips uh, kind of a plan uh, this, month, uh, this week. So basically, uh, I think, you know, this is kind of a, a roadmap is clear. And in the meantime, I think, you know, uh, Japan will coordinate with G7 countries and OEC countries, including South Korea. But of course, you know, the relationship between Japan and uh, China will be really a bit kind of uh, tricky here. You know, mm. China does not really provide too much kind of uh, uh, technology, but also they're definitely the important market for Japan. NCO, you've always got uh, good and strong views on uh, China. Where, where do you stand on this debate? Uh, well, I'm not a chip guy, all that I can say is AI stands, if you go to the help desks for tech, it goes, it means absolutely incompetent. It does not mean artificial <laughs> intelligence, I can tell you that. <laughs> I've spent a whole day at the bank yesterday. But that aside... Well, I think we also see that in chatbots being incompetent as well. You know, they're obviously driven by AI. So I think or this... indeed, this radio participant of yours, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, just moving on. China itself, if I could just broaden the scope, because mm. I'm, not an, I'm not a chip ex- expert at all, anything, frankly. But um, I just think that this, Jap- this Japanization is, is quite risky from a geopolitical perspective because again also what has been what maybe also needs mentioning in the chip thing is of course Taiwan and with the Americans getting increasingly tough on China 
rightly or wrongly, it's it's just going to corner. They're they're cornering the Chinese and the Russians, and I don't think that's good from a geopolitical standpoint. And thus, from an interest rate perspective, I just think rates are going to have to go up because the risk premium is going to go up on money. Mm. Mm. Uh, interest rates, of course, uh, under scrutiny next week uh, with the FOMC yes. uh, meeting. What are your thoughts uh, there? Up, I think that they the because I think that what will happen, we've been suggesting for some time that they would actually reach more the six than the five, and I think that what will happen is the the closer we get to the U.S. election next year, November the twenty fifth, to be precise, you will find November the fifth, excuse me, two or two four, you will find that the rates start getting cut going into the election cycle. But there's they, in other words, they want to. This is last spring's time to still push the rates up, and I believe that will happen over the next two or three Fed sessions. How? What are your thoughts? Are they going to remain hawkish? Of course, of course. I think you know they will. Uh, on, maybe uh, on hold uh, next next week, but of course, you know there will be a very hawkish statement uh, in the you know Powell's uh, you know kind of uh, press conference. I think you know uh, he will open the door for next interest hike or even more. So I think the market has been uh, probably you know more or less prepared for that. Yesterday we saw that you know Australian Central Bank, uh, Canadian Central Bank has already hiked. Um, unexpectedly suppress mm. the market. Of course, I think the market will has been uh, prepared for next kind of a very hawkish statement uh, from Mr. Powell. But if I could just quickly add to that, again, it comes in with this Treasury borrowing spree that by the end of 2023, according to JP Morgan, is going to translate into about one tr- $1.1 trillion in purchases of short of issuance of short-dated Treasury bills. That's a withdrawal from cash. That's going to really hit the 4,200 U.S. community banks big time. And that, so I, I think look for some ructions in the U.S. market yet again. NGO China's trade uh, figures not looking mm. so good at the moment. Exporting Exports uh, fell a much faster than expected, 7.5% in, in May. Is this an indicator of uh, how the year is going to go? I, I've always kind of looked more in my work at books on the import side of the equation. Um, and I think that the with the imports having weakened quite considerably, that is telling me weak domestic demand in China is continuing. And again, for my simple reason that they have to choose, it's a D-Day in China, whether they want to go Marxist or common prosperity. I do see a dichotomy there. Um, on the export side, on my book on how multinationals create China's trade deficit, I think that just means that the multinationals in China are exporting less mm. and the U.S. consumer thus is importing less from its American brothers in China. Mm. Uh, how are the Chinese currency uh, under pressure at the moment to weaken? Uh, 7.15 at the moment. What, what, what are your thoughts here? How's that going to uh, track going forward? Uh, well, you know, I think, you know, it's not really a good time uh, for Ch- Chinese currency for now. Of course, you know, the economy is weakening. And of course, in the meantime, uh, the, the the dollar is also on the on the rise. So I think, you know, probably we can see a bit more kind of uh, depreciation from here. Uh, but of course, you know, central bank from China will definitely try to manage, you know, the market expectations uh, towards a relatively kind of stable, steady kind of uh, currency as well. So I think, you know, uh, probably we will see some kind of, uh, uh, you know, pressure time for the Chinese currency in the next couple of months before we do see kind of a meaningful recovery from the Chinese economy. And your last word on that very quickly. 
I just think that basically what Warren Buffett says is, is a note in parting that the stock market is a transfer mechanism for the from the impatient to the patient. <laughs> and I think that that's going to be the big name of the game. I myself am more for Japan um, and less for China in this next game of patience versus impatience. And the game continues. Absolutely. Enzio von Feil, Capital Preservation Specialist uh, for Individuals. And Hao Zhu, Chief Economist at uh, GTJ AI.